another new episode of What I Need Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are Federico Perez, Maria Ritos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, you know, it's it's December. It's starting to feel as if, though, we're getting into the holiday spirit. And, and for some reason, for our guys over there in Miami, they're, they're feeling cold to 60-degree weather. I'm like, what is this? What is this? You guys are cold in that weather? No, come on. And, and Fede, I mean, this, this guy is probably suffering too many summers in a, in a time where it's supposed to be, you know, white Christmases and snow. Like, man, you guys are, are living it good for some reason. I mean, I'm, I'm here shivering in, in 30 degree weather and you guys are living it up over there in tropical weather. But uh, how are you guys? Um, you know, Fede, how, how is the, I'd like to ask now, actually, because, you know, Heading into the Christmas season, obviously a very important holiday for, for all of us. What's it like over there in Paraguay now with the with the holidays coming up, especially finishing up Kakupe that happened a couple days ago and now entering Christmas and, and the New Year? Hey, Robert, how's everybody doing? Uh, hi to everyone listening to What a New Vision, like always. Well, yeah, we're getting our first uh, suntan, I believe, here in Paraguay. You know, the sun's getting pretty, pretty hot over here and summer is 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 looking up and we're actually just starting to enjoy it you know you see people going to to hit their pools you see people taking some sun here we got high temperatures going on and a lot of rain also this is the season you know december is the most rainy season here in paraguay just enjoying it before uh, before the holidays come up christmas and new years you know a lot of people waiting for 2021 to be a better year they want 2020 to be over but, you know, meanwhile, every, everything looks like it's going back to normal, at least, you know, just the way that people are behaving in the streets uh, the, with, with so many events going on. You know, usually at the end of the year, December, it's that time here in Paraguay where, where people just get together. If it's for because of, because of their jobs, just, the, you know, those, the end of the year reunions, the, the, the dinners, just different events that, that you get invited to. And that hasn't changed much because it, it, it is really open here, even though we have a lot of cases, even though we it looks like we're getting hit by that second wave. You know, we, we have a lot of cases of COVID lately, even in football, even in the first division, we're seeing club, clubs being hammered by, by that by that trouble also and i think we're just gonna have to live with it until we get the vaccine we have nothing to do with it but just to keep the mask on and keep doing everything we have to do uh, even in 2021 but we're here to talk about everything that's going on in the paraguayan football we'll talk about obviously libertadores we'll talk about what happened with cerro porteño ending their run unbeaten and obviously everything that's happening also here in paraguay because the market is not open yet but so many meetings happening uh, possible deals being made also in the, in the next week so I'm, I'm following everything that's going on in, in the different clubs and also the tournament you know we have teams that are getting qualified to the next clubs of, of 2021 we have teams that are being relegated so it's that time of year where a lot of things are going on how's everybody else doing let me go to Miami let me say hi to Maria first how's, how's it going Maria hey guys what's up what's up Pele? uh you know kind of cold here I got my little sweater going on. <laughs> and yes, in South Florida, we do tend to get cold uh, in under 60 degree weather. So <laughs> you can, uh, you can see must that. Must be right fun. There. Must be fun. <laughs> yes, yes. You must be a little jealous, but that's okay. You're always welcome down here, Roberto and Fede as well. Um, but yeah, it's super um, exciting that the holidays are coming up. It's already starting to feel like Christmas. 
And um, it's a little different than Paraguay here. Uh, we have, um, you know, the cold weather, but, you know, I, I think it's an exciting time regardless of, of what's going on with uh, in the world. Um, the world of, of sports, it's, uh, it's heating up and it, it's, we're, we're getting to, that, to the end of the clausura as well. So let's see what, what's going on. And uh, the Libertad, is, uh, sorry, uh, Libertadores, uh, we're getting closer and closer. And uh, we're going to talk about how Liber Libertad did uh, in the clash against uh, Palmeiras. So uh, an exciting, exciting time for, for our team representing the, our, our country. But uh, yeah, how are you, Ralph? Uh, how's it going? Uh, my neighbor. <laughs> good, good, thanks. Hi guys, hi everybody. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of cold as well. It's between like putting the long sleeves on or not, but I thought as an And this is someone that's go, based in London as well. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm saying you're sleeves. cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I'm missing Paraguay and that smell of flor de coco that you always have in December, like people going down the street selling that. That always reminds me of, of Christmas in Paraguay when I, when I think of it. And here I've just got my kids into Home Alone. They just watched it for the first time. So they're, you know, they're learning all these Christmas traditions. So it's, it's very cool. Um, yeah, and about football, I mean, it's, it's really getting, like, it's jam-packed in, in England, and the football season is always, like, the busiest time is around Christmas, but usually in, in South America, it's not something we, we think about. Everything's usually done by November, but, of course, the year we've had, everything's going on. We've got the Copa Libertadores, we've got the, uh, the Clausura, which is, like, coming to coming to, a, to an end. We've also got, like, finals in Mexico with, with Paraguayan players present. So, you know, all over the, all over the continent, this stuff kind of happening. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting time and looking forward to talk a bit about, about Libertad. Not looking forward to talk about Cerro so much because of course they, they run ended, which, I'm, which we're gonna talk about. But, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. I don't know where, where you guys wanna start, but maybe with, with Libertad in the Libertadores and, and that one, one draw with, with Palmeiras. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, I'm I sorry if you guys, I'm sorry if you guys hear a couple of bombs here because this is this is also something that happens here in Paraguay. December starts and people th throw bombs wh at whatever time they want to. They're already on holidays. They're already celebrating, even though we have 20 days still before 2021. You were going to say, Maria, sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. That's, that's really funny, actually. It, it brought me back memories. But I wanted to go a little um, off topic here and mentioning um, the Premier League. Just wanted to congratulate uh, Fabian Balbuena that great, had a great game today uh, with West Ham against Leeds and they did, they, they uh, beat um, Leeds 2-1. So it was a very important game. So just wanted to point, point that out. I don't know if Raf, you wanted to say something about that. I know it's a little off topic. <laughs> we weren't planning on saying that. No, but it's, it's true. I mean, they're fifth in the, in the league at the moment. So that was a very important win, like away from home. Um, this is the best season West Ham have had for, for ages. I, I can't really remember. I think one of their highest finishes in recent years has been like ninth. So the fact they're fifth going into Christmas is very good. And what, what we saw with Balbuena was, if you remember in our early episodes, we were saying he's not really in the team. Is he going to get in the team? Then Diop was out because, because of COVID. So he came in, took his chance. Now Diop's back, but it looks like Moise wants to play three at the back, I think. So he seems to be using all of his central defenders and then Balbuena's there and that run of forms happened. So, I mean, it's, it's looking good. And then 
his partner the, in, in Paraguay has been Gustavo Gomez, who, who I think they ended up giving man of the match in, in uh, Libertad Palmeiras game, right? Because he scored the goal for Palmeiras, that, that equalizer against Libertad, and had a really good game, probably his best game in Defensores del Chaco, because he didn't play so well in the World Cup qualifiers. But he, I mean, he had a great game for, for Palmeiras and, uh, uh, you know, scored that header when, when I think, you know, that away goal is going to be crucial for, for Palmeiras as they go back to the Allianz Arena next, next week in Sao Paulo. I don't know what you guys think, but I thought for Libertad, who played very well, but I don't think they've, they've now done enough to pass to the next round. Yeah, definitely. And I actually wanted to go into that. I think certainly it's become a, a a difficult task, I think, for Paraguayan teams to get comfortable results at home, especially against a Brazilian side like Palmeiras, who I think haven't lost a single game yet in this entire competition. So, you know, they're one of the favorites. They're always going to be very strong. But yeah, it felt like kind of a, a lost result, basically. I mean, yeah, they did come back and get a goal. Uh, to tie the game, but ultimately, and, and Fede, I'd like to hear what you think about this. I mean, ultimately, it felt like a lost opportunity, you know, to get the result necessary to take back to San Pablo, which will be very difficult for them to to see if they have the chance to qualify. Yeah, first of all, maybe we should paint that shirt that Ralph has back there, and instead of the reds, we should probably put it uh, green, and maybe Gustavo Gomez might feel a little bit more comfortable with that jersey on. I don't know if it has to do something with that, but I don't know. It's, it was just such, such a different player, right? You see what he does in, in Palmeiras and what he the trouble that he's had in with the Albert Roja, but same for Balbuena, right? Such a good moment in, in West Ham. And he also has the same problems in the Albert Roja. I just, I, I just hope we see the what we see the, what we see out of them in the clubs next year in 2021 with our Albert Roja. But getting into the Libertad uh, game, you know, uh, I think they played their best game so far uh, with Mourinho in this uh, uh, moment also. You know, they, they, they didn't come out big before this match and there was a lot of doubt uh, around the team if they were going to be up to the challenge. Uh, I'm proud to see that they showed us their competitive side. Uh, but, you know, I'm also down because of what you were saying, Roberto. This, this team should have won. This team had it all to to probably put it to his to their side right away. Those first minutes were all about Libertad, and they just couldn't score that goal. Especially Antonio Vareiro. you know, I'm waiting a lot. I'm waiting for a lot from him because he he, he has the experience. He he's he makes that difference here in in the local league. But then in these big games, in these big matches, in these international games, he doesn't always show up he doesn't always come up and he should because libertad has made that effort to keep this player for many many years and this is what you expect of him in front of the goal to to make those important goals also oscar cardoso oscar taquara he had two chances with head balls and it's weird to see him miss those shots you know he usually makes those shots we've seen him uh, along his career make all uh, those kind of shots and that that was the, the downside of, of libertad in this match but the they're also the least expected team to be champions, I believe. You know, if you ask fans around the world, if you ask fans here in South America, I think they're all waiting for other teams to be champions. And Libertad could be just the big surprise of it all. You know, they're the only team that haven't been champions of Libertadores of the ones that are left in, in competition. So uh, a, a lot of people also gave their support to the team. You know, they chanted and, and gathered at the club. I think that was uh, really nice of them to show their support before the players went to the stadium of Defensores de Chaco. I, I think the players were very thankful of that. And I'm happy to see that Mourinho chose wisely his starting team, uh, Martin Silva, always saving uh, Libertad. He did it back when he was a goalkeeper in Olympia. He's just such a good 
goalkeeper. That's why they call him Superman, right? He's always the hero for his team. And and then you have other aspects of the team that I think are evolving, that are looking better. So I think this team is is ready to give it a fight. You know, they showed it here in Defensores del Chaco. They're ready to give Palmeiras a fight. I hope they can have this level, keep this level also for the match that's coming up in, in Brazil. I don't know what Rav Maria think about it. Well, you, you mentioned Superman Silva and the other super they have is Ivan Ramirez, who was playing right back. Ivan Ramirez was at Libertad for like a long time in his career. Then he recently he was at Guarani. He actually played Libertadores with Guarani this, año, this, año, this year. I'm going Spanglish. He played with uh, Guarani this year and now he's back at Libertad. And he's already provided two assists for goals in the Libertadores. So one of the one of the crosses in the Wilsterman game was him, and then he was he played the cross to Espinosa, who scored with that very brave header for for Libertad in the game against Palmeiras. Because if you guys watch the replay, of course, the goalkeeper almost takes off Espinosa's head just after the after he heads it in. And interestingly, in both those crosses from, from Ramirez with his left foot, he's a right back, he's a very right-footed player, but he's managed to, to you know, have that cut back onto the left foot and deliver these, these good crosses. Ramirez is also, he's always been like a very good defensive player. He actually began his career as a defensive midfielder. I remember him in Paraguay under-20s. He had this brilliant game against Argentina under-20s when he kind of man-marked whoever there their number 10 was at the time who was going to be the next Messi, but, but I guess never was. He had a brilliant game there and that's kind of how he got on the radar, but now he's moved to right back and, and he's playing very well. Um, probably pushing Beto Espinola in, in Cerro as one of, uh, you know, who's going to be the, the main right back for thinking of Paraguay because at the moment, you know, those are the two guys that we're seeing uh, are playing very well. So he had a, he had a good game. I just wanted to highlight that. And yeah, Antonio Barreiro, like you said, unlucky. He hit the post, I think, in one chance. And if it, I mean, if, if one of those had gone in, they actually hit the post twice, Levitan, during that game. If one had gone in, it could be a different story. But I don't know what Maria thinks, but for all the good, good players, it's a, tough, it's a tough trip now to Sao Paulo. Yeah, Ralph, definitely. I think they would have, they could have almost won the, the game at the end, toward, towards the end of the, the match. You had a, a bunch of chances, and one of them that was really close was Espinosa's as well. Um, that he hit the post, and um, I think it was a, a corner, a corner uh, play. So yeah, it was it was actually um, like 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 Fede said, we're, we're really proud of this team and and what what they're accomplishing. Um, and I think it's the first time I hear a, a very positive note from from Fede. <laughs> so that's 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 good. That's a good thing. So you know Libertad's doing well. Um, so you know it's not easy to win against the uh, Palmeiras, and especially at home, they're gonna they're gonna uh, they're they're gonna give you a tough game. So we'll see how they do it next time. I think there's a lot of things that they need to adjust and change. Um, they need to have more possession of the of the ball. The I think they only had like less than 50%. So that's not. That's not a good thing, and 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 they gotta adjust that. Thirty-eight percent. I was just checking. Thirty-eight. As well. 38. Yes. Thank. Thank you for your up to stats, Raf. <laughs> but um, you know, I I also felt um like they needed a little bit of a push, and um, you know, at the beginning they had a they had a good run. I I, I like how they were playing. They're a little organized, but then Gustavo Gomez 
had that uh, nice header and which honestly I didn't mind because it was Gomez and I thought he had a he had a good game and um but whatever anyways um <laughs> then they you know they they seem to lost lose a little bit of their their feel for the game and then comes half time and in the second half and they started to gain back possession and they got that goal by Espinosa again but you know um I think Morinigo was a good, had good decision making. Um, I really enjoyed the game overall, but, um, you know, I hope they do get a, at least just a one nil game uh, away with, against Palmeiras, even though Palmeiras can just um, qualify with a, even with a nil, a nil nil draw. So it's going to be a tough game for sure. Yeah, they, they, yeah, go ahead, Feather. You were saying? No, I was just going to say they're one game away from making it again to their historical place, right? The, the best place they've ever been on, on Libertadores is semifinals, and they're almost there. And I think they show level in this match. So uh, I think now, after seeing what Libertad showed us, I think everybody believes a little bit more in this Libertad that is what we have to say is one of the teams that has the best budgets here in Paraguay. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that Libertad makes it this far. It's just that they've had a lot of trouble during the year. So we thought it was going to be a little bit bumpier, but they actually got got pretty got you know they, they got out of this match pretty pretty comfortable i believe with just one one yeah but now the big issue will be because you know like maria said they have to score you know a nil no draw will not do them justice uh in over there in sao paulo i mean obviously if it finishes one one then it goes into penalties but they need to score in order for them to have a chance to to qualify i mean if they score two then that's great but how are you guys feeling? I mean, I, I, do you feel confident with this side? I mean, yes, you know, Palmeiras are very strong. They haven't lost a single game yet. They're one of the favorites. I mean, if they do win, obviously, they will play the winner of River Plate against Nacional of Uruguay, which River Plate won the last game 2-0 with Robert Rojas actually playing in center back. So another Paraguayan also doing well for another team in South America. But are you guys confident that, that Libertad can surprise in a competition that's full of surprises uh, against uh, Palmeiras? You're asking us to make predictions again. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> we might as well. Um, I think what I thought was good is they matched them for intensity, right? So that game was played at a high tempo. And, and I think as Maria was saying, you know, they, they really kind of matched that rhythm. And then they had, they had periods of the game where they, maybe they couldn't, find, they couldn't find that same intensity. And that's when the, when the first goal is, is scored by Palmeiras. Um, so if they can do that, they have a chance. What I... The only thing I can see happening is uh, Palmeiras will let them have the ball more. So they won't be able to play some of that counter-attacking, which they are doing with players like Barreiro and uh, Adrian Martinez, you know, attacking uh, in counter-attacks because Palmeiras are going to kind of seed possession and, and sit deep because they, they know they don't need to score. So that could be the, the, the difficult part. So I think it's a step too far. I think they... They will probably end up losing, but by one goal. That's what I'm going to go for. I'm actually a little bit more comfortable, uh, confident, I, I was going to say. Uh, I think it could end even in penalties, you know. I think you can get just a goal, at least, in Brazil and, and, and fight it. I, I think Libertadores, right now, at this stage, it's very tight. We're seeing how it is in, in almost all matches. There's not much difference between one team and the other one. They're, they're all very equal. So I think Libertad is going to have a, is going to give it a fight. Uh, you just have to give more balls to Adrian Martinez and Oscar Cardoso. They are lethal up there. And even if Ferreira comes in, 
they're all lethal players that you just need to give them chances inside inside the box. That that's where I think Libertad uh, needs to work a little bit more because I like the pace that because of, of that midfield with Espinosa, with Campuzano that, that won his spot, with Blas Cáceres. That's a very intense midfield, and and Antonio Barreiro just was just unstoppable in those first minutes of the match. I hope those guys playing again together they 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 built up and and they have a better match even than the one they had in Defensores and Chaco, which I believe they can have. I think it's this is going to be the first time I say this, but I'm not too sure they're going to make it. I think uh, Palmeiras know what they have at stake and um, they're definitely going to play more defensively. They don't want to give that ball away. They don't want to let Libertad score. So I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with a draw. So, and, and Palmeiras will go through. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I agree as well. I just think that this Palmeiras side have just enough to, to compete and, and beat. Not, I, I wouldn't say beat Palmeiras. I think they, I'm sorry, Palmeiras to beat Libertad. But um, I, I think, yeah, I think if they're able to just, you know, the fact that they're not obligated to get the win. I mean, I'm sure they want to be as convincing. They've been strong at home as well. I mean, they, they, I think they beat Delphine. Very convincingly, the last time around. I'm not saying Delphine is any worse or better than than um, Libertad, but they have the capability of doing that. And for that, I, I think Libertad can demonstrate a bit more hearts, but I, I don't think it'll be enough for them. I, I think I see it more as a a nil nil draw, and I see Palmeiras qualify to the uh, to the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores. So we'll see. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe they've they've already surprised us of, of all of getting into the knockout stage in the last day. You know, they, they've, they've gone so far. I mean, let's hope, they, let's hope they can give us some sort of of a Christmas joy, you would say, um, for Paraguayans uh, all over the world. But uh, a team that's not having as much joy will be the next team that we're talking about, and that's Cerro Porteño. Cerro Porteño have officially ended their streak of, uh, of unbeaten games. They finished it with exactly, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's 23 games. Um, beaten. Yep, the streak is over at 23 games, and it was a, it was coming. I mean, you know, the, Ralph, I'm going into you on this one. I, I think they they were great to get that so far to not lose a single game, but you did see in some of the matches where they were conceding early, and you know, you, you saw in what I think probably the best game of the year in Paraguay, the, the Nacional win over. Or Cedro, I think you can see that the site is is vulnerable in its in its extent, and at least since the Clausura started, that the side could have been beaten. But again, it's just that kind of luck and, and heart that they had for them to get the results to continue unbeaten uh, until their streak ended. Yeah, I think I think part of it in these in these later stages of the season, especially when they're in a position where they don't they don't really need to win these games anyway because they qualified for the for the playoffs and what really will matter is the playoffs and they had that huge effort to win the to win the classical and that was probably the game they thought wow if the you know if this run is going to end it's going to be in the classical against the arch rivals and then in the end it was in the other classical but the classical barrio obrero with with nacional because for people that don't know paraguayan geography from nacional's Stadium, you can actually see Cerro Porteño Stadium. It's actually now that they built the La Nueva Oya, which is much bigger. It's kind of almost in the shadow of their stadium, quite quite literally. There's been occasions where Cerro players have have walked from one stadium to the other, or national players when they play each other. Honestly, they didn't even take the bus. That's how close they are. 
Um, so this is this is if it was in in England, this is what we are, we usually uh, call a derby because they're traditionally the games with the teams closest to each other. Um, and it was very surprising because it's not the way I would have expected Cerro to lose. I would have expected Cerro to lose this run by losing like 1-0 or maybe 2-1, but in a game that they couldn't score because, you know, since Turina's gone, we've said they've had some problems scoring, and what, but they've been very good defensively. And then they lose this game 4-3 and they were behind four times. I mean, they're 1-0 down, 2-1 down, 3-2 down. They kept pulling it back and then in, this, in the very last minute you have this uh, this goal that, that seals it and makes it makes it four three with I think it was almost the last touch of the game pretty much, um, and it was very surprising because I was you know I was looking at the stats Cerro hadn't conceded more than two goals since um, since that four 0 defeat to, to Barcelona de Guayaquil in the Libertadores so that was back in in February um, I don't think they conceded two in the league until until recently as well so I mean. The fact that they conceded four was, was very surprising. But I think um, for Cerro, a lot of credit goes, you know, well, a lot of credit has to go to Nacional. And Nacional are actually just one point behind Cerro now in the standings. And I know Fede has been following a lot how, how they've been playing under their coach, uh, Roro Lopez, who, who's basically a, a legend, although he's Uruguayan, he's a legend in, in Paraguayan football. And for a while, he was the, he was the all-time top scorer until... Uh, Salcedo passed him in the in the rankings, um, and he's lived. You know, most of his professional career has been in in Paraguay. And now he's there managing Nacional and and doing a good job. Yeah, this is actually the best season of Nacional in what since probably that that Libertadores run, right? With, with Mourinho making it to the finals, and that's been quite a while now. Uh, finally, they they actually. Uh, picked the right coach. They've actually picked the right players. Uh, a really nice, nice mix of players with with a lot of experience. Uh, yeah, you just look at the squad and and you feel in, and you fall in love with the players because we we know most of them. They they've had great careers so far. Even some of them been, have played in in Europe. So you look at the squad and you think you can make a real good. You can make a good team out of this. And and then comes the work that, that the coach has done. Uh, and I believe that that's what we need to talk about. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Nacional because this is an intense team. This is a high pressure. This team wants the ball and this team plays the modern football that we want to see. You know, they kept up the pace against one of the best teams here in Paraguay, like Cerro Porteño. And most of the teams, they've fallen short to that. And, and they forced Cerro Porteño to make errors in defense like, like no other team we've seen. And I was surprised Surprised really by the guys that saved the day for Nacional because Nacional had the match twice, I think, you know, with the score. They had they had the score for them like like twice during the, the game and they just couldn't keep the lead. And then they got that final winning goal and it came from Sebastian Vargas, this little kid that's, you know, Vargas is just 18 years old and he's been in Nacional since uh, the under 14 squad, I believe. But he, he used to play in defenses in his younger years. I remember watching a couple of matches of this guy play uh, as a midfielder, as uh, as a defend as a, a defender midfielder, and and even with this coach Rodrigo Lopez. But you know he threw him up there, and and Vargas really responded. And the funny part of this story is that uh, Vargas actually debuted with 
uh, with his de his debut was with with Francisco Arce when when he was coach of national was was coach of Nacional back in 2019 and now he was the guy that scored on, on Cerro Porteño's uh, run and and ended it so and he wasn't the only one because you also had Sergio Fretes who's just 21 years old in the pitch and you have David uh, Fleitas also uh, another uh, player from the youth league of Nacional so Nacional is actually surprising is being a surprise I believe in this in this end of the year and they they look tough they they look like one of the teams that can actually make it far in, in this tournament. I, I want to see if they can keep this level in the knockout stage. But I, I think right now, a lot of teams are saying, hey, I don't want Nacional in my way. So I, I guess what you're saying that heading into the playoffs that we have in a couple of weeks, would you say that Nacional is kind of that sleeper team or like the, the bogey team, as they say, like a team that you don't want to face, even though they're not as big as the, the teams like Cerro Olimpia and so on? Yeah, totally, because they have the experience and they actually feel like they can do something out of it. And Nacional is a team that, you know, when they're strong, especially playing at home like they've been lately, uh, you know, they make a run for it. But we'll see. I, I think the knockout stage is going to be a totally different tournament. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be uh, more about st strategy from, from the coaches, how you use the players uh, in the second in, in the second. Uh, half also and you know even penalties we, we might have penalties if, if these guys uh, are on are, are a draw late in the game so it's it's kind of hard to see past the knockout stage but I think Nacional has everything to to make it a run for it and to to put in to put Cerro Porteño to put Guarani to put Libertad and to put Olympia uh, against the ropes a couple of times I think none of those teams want to face Nacional Yeah, I think um, Nacional is one of those teams that that you um, you definitely don't expect them to to get to where they are right now. But um, yeah, let's see what happens with 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 the knockout stages and hopefully maybe they surprise everyone and 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 win the Clausura. But um, it, it was actually funny how we went from last episode. Um, speaking about Cerro Porteño and their win against uh, Olimpia in the Clásico and, um, you know, how great this team has been and what, what a big turnaround they, they, they come around to. And, and now it's kind of like, well, now they suck. <laughs> and they, they lost their, their uh, unbeaten streak. But it's not the case. I think uh, Cerro just you know, had a great game. I think they uh, unfortunately had a, a, a mistake going on at the end of the game. And it was just, it was just one of those lucky games for Nacional, I want to say, um, a, a lucky strike. And um, it ended up uh, beating their, their, their unbeaten uh, uh, games. So I think the uh, Cerro Porteño is not in trouble. I think they're, they still, they just lost touch there. But um, hopefully uh, they step up their game, and and hopefully in the in the like you said, further the the um, I lost the word for it. But then <laughs> hopefully you know the next few games they 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 change the way that they're playing and, and wake up. But yeah, I I thought um, Cerro Porteño. I think Raf, you sent us um, some stats the other day, and the last time that Cerro was unbeaten with 23 games was in 06, but then in 
um, in 2014, 2013, 2014, they had 27 unbeaten games. So yeah, um, yeah, that's right. They did the Clausura in 2013 unbeaten with, yeah. with Chiquiasi again, and that run extended a bit. So so they couldn't quite match that one. And the record is still held by Olympia with 38 games, which is an incredible run. Which I don't know if we would. We would see teams, it would be very hard for teams to do that now because you play usually 22 games in a season and then you like chop your team up for the next short tournament. So the idea that you can go through two cycles would be would be quite hard. I, I agree with you, Maria, that it's, I mean, Cerro is still the team to beat. They're still the best team in the tournament. But what's happened now is two things. One, they're beatable. So like Nacional have, have taken away some of that, like, I don't know, the, the kind of halo, I guess, that, you know, no one can touch them. Um, but then also they're having problems with COVID right now. So I don't know if they've named all the players, but what we're seeing is there's at least, I think they named three cases. Now it's up to four. Um, we know one, at least one is a player. Um, so, I mean, that could really affect them going into the, the playoffs because the games are packed so tight. The rules on quarantine are, are quite strict. So... You know, there's not that much time that if a player is is um, is out because they're, they're positive with COVID, then they, they probably won't return in time for the playoffs. So that could also be a, a huge factor for, for Cerro, more than the team itself, which is which I agree is still playing quite well. But they've done enough this year. What more do you want out of Cerro Porteño? They were champions. They had this huge run. Leave something for the rest, you know. Let's see how other teams have it. Or Roberto, you want it all this year. Of course, if you to be the best, you have to beat the best. And you know, if Cerro are the best, then they have to maintain the fact that they are the best. So they have to win it. Um, but no, I, I think as well. I think you know, Feather, you, you bring up a good point with these playoffs coming up. The fact that it's only one game, a single knockout, and you talk about these teams that can beat the big teams. You know, it's not just Cerro being beaten by national you have other teams uh, that are maybe not big favorites to win the title usually every year but they can beat the likes of an olympia they can beat the likes of a Warani and that kind of thing we had 12 de octubre a, a small team of itawa that just came in this year to the first division they were actually champions but that was in 99 i think that was a, lo a long time ago and but you know th this team was actually first for a couple of 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 uh, of matches right they, they 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 got that first spot and they look like a tough team also you know they have a couple of experienced players and they've actually looked pretty good you know that's a team that might actually surprise you Wydenia is another team that along the year they've been just so strong uh from Villarrica you know just coming out in first division also so watch out you know we're talking about this team uh, I'm talking about Wydenia they just made their qualification to the Sudamericana of 2021 I'm, I'm so happy for them uh, for, for the city of Villarrica you know just the city that that was waiting to have their their, their team in first division and it's just been heaven for them just going up and up uh, one step at a time and now making it to the Sudamericana watch out for these teams also in the knockout stage you know because they, they, they really they, they look together and they, they look tough they look they look hard to beat also uh, so I, I don't know if Cerro Porteño the big teams are gonna have that easy in the knockout stage no that's it's a good point you mentioned about via um Guayenia, uh feather you know a team that was playing I think inter-regional tournaments like five years ago they made it all the way from there to fourth division third division second division first division 
to the second tier uh, continental competition in South America. So yeah, it's a remarkable achievement to see them go into the Sudamericana for the city of Villarica. People who are passionate about their team. It's uh, it's good. It's a, it's a good story. And like you said, it's those teams that can surprise people. It's those teams that maybe you don't expect much of them, but they can ruin the party. They can do it. And Hey, maybe one of those teams can end up being champion. You never know. That, 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 that's just how I can't wait for these playoffs. It's going to be so much fun now heading into it um, this next in the next few days. This, this is the best chance those teams will ever have because of, this is the most democratic system in terms of the tournament with, the, with it being these, you know, short tournament at first and then also the, the one game. It's not even over two legs. And it's a quick point about Guairenia and about the teams from the countryside in Paraguay. Uh, if people ever watched Paraguayan soccer on TV when there were fans in the stadium, you would notice usually in the games in Asuncion, except for some of the big teams, there weren't that many fans. You know, a lot of teams in Asuncion is really divided between so many so many teams. But when you go to the countryside, wow, that's huge. When when Guarenia were even playing Interligas, they were getting like hundreds of fans down to the games because, you know, there's... To be honest, there's not much else to do in the Paraguayan countryside on a weekend than go and watch your local team. And it's, you know, it's not too expensive. It's fun. You go, you're out in the sun. And you would see even a lot of Interligas games when it's not professional. There's huge, there's, you know, there's huge crowds. There's lots of money at stake because, you know, between the, the teams and things and the fans, people have a bet on the games and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a huge thing that these, uh, that these teams from the countryside can then actually become professionalized and into, uh, into the top division. We had recently Dos de Mayo, who are up in uh, Pedro Juan in the north. I'm sure at some point Encarnacion is going to get a, a team. They're building a big stadium. Yeah, that's where, where Maria's from, of course. So they're building that stadium and they have the kind of economic resources and the population to, to have a team in there. So... Um, that's that's part of Paraguayan football that I that I really love is is out in the countryside and the kind of the true passion for you know for for the game is throughout the whole country and and uh, it's yeah it's fun to see that Guarenia will be will be in the Sudamericana. I don't think unfortunately they'll be allowed to use their stadium. I doubt it will get Comebol approval, but but still it's great for them that they get this chance. Well, hopefully that their fans will be able to go to those games. I think they're they're very happy to see that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's it's a remarkable achievement, and hopefully, like you know, for for Maria's sake as well, that a team in Encarnacion with their new stadium, they can make it up and play in the first division in Baragua. I mean, that would be incredible, given that we've seen cities from, like you said, Ralph, Pedro Juan Caballero, Villarica, uh, Itawa with Dos Alture, um, Ciudad del Este as well, many years back with Chile Ferrero. I mean, it, it it shouldn't be all centralized in Bar in Asuncion. It should be all over. Honestly. That's actually, sorry, that's actually what I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, that um, the, the, the Primera División needs to expand a little bit their, um, their teams, you know, um, like we mentioned, maybe the next big city, like Encarnación or Ciudad del Este, can, can have um, another competitive team. But yeah, it's, um, I think there's um, a lot of potential there as well. And it can it can make um, uh, the division a lot bigger as well, and and much more entertaining to watch. Not just that, and uh, um, and also allow for a much more um, bigger uh, financial institution, you know, grow and 
give opportunities to to not just um, players but staff and stuff like that. There's a lot that can go into it, but um, you know, hopefully, we can talk about it in uh, in, an, in another episode. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, you know, I think we should wrap it up here, and thankfully, on a positive note, I should say, finally, as after so different times of of negative aspects on the show. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone for listening. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, Pere Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another episode of One Night Vision. See you later.